All right, let's pray together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're in our lives. Thank you that we know you. To know you was life eternal. We just pray now that as we come to your word, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will stir us, that your word will be like fire in our souls, that it will be an unquenchable fire that cannot be put out by anything in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the cause of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. As believers, as believers, we have a noble and a worthy cause. People today, people in general, are looking for a cause. Something to get behind and believe in and give their energy and their gifts and talents to, to identify with. And we have a cause. We have... Um, People that are willing to join the military and lay down their lives, put their lives in harm's way for the freedoms that we enjoy. We take our freedoms in this land for granted many times, don't we? When you travel abroad, you start to appreciate a little bit more the freedoms that we enjoy. And it's come to us at great cost. People have given their lives in order for us to enjoy that kind of freedom. So... That's, that, that's great. That's a noble cause. But Jesus Christ needs those who are willing to put themselves in harm's way for him. To rescue the souls of men and to offer them the freedom that he paid for. In other words, he needs us. He needs us to be willing to serve him. Years ago, you can go on, there was this advertisement. I think this was World War I which they used to get people to enlist in the military. Uncle Sam wants you. Okay? And Jesus Christ, he wants you. Go on. Jesus Christ wants you. Sometimes we think he needs us, but really he does not need us. He's complete. He could do the work all by himself, but he wants us. And when people join the military, they are not usually expecting a life of ease, are they? What's the first thing that happens when people join the military? Where do they get, where do they go? Boot camp. Is boot camp, uh, ride in the park? Uh, sleep in a hammock? No. It's, it's, uh, getting up when they tell you to get up, right? It's go, doing whatever they tell you to do, and it's, it's not, it's not fun from what I understand from the people who I've talked to who have been there and done it. It's rigorous and tough training. You learn to follow orders, push through your pain and discomfort. You don't roll over in the morning and hit the snooze button and say, um, I'm not ready to get up right now. I'll get up later when I'm more rested. Uh, the sergeant doesn't take that real well, does he? You, can tell, you cannot tell your officer that he's waking you up too soon or that it's not convenient. And then beyond boot camp, when boot camp is over, is that the end of training? No more training. Then you're all done, right? No. The training goes on and on and on. You can't just quit and go home whenever you whenever you feel like it and say, okay, I had enough. I, I need to go see my aunt, my uncle. I need to go take a rest now. I, no. If they give you leave for a reason, then you can go home. You just can't, you just can't run off the job. And when we sign up or enlist in the army of Jesus Christ, many people have the idea that when they come to Jesus Christ, it's going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be a life of ease. Whenever they speak, the world is going to happen. You know, it's like a Superman uh, 
Santa Claus type God, that thing, you know, mentality that, you know, wow, just whatever, whatever I, I need. Well, here, God, you know, right now, do this. And no problems. I'm going to follow Jesus. Come to Jesus. Everything will be taken care of. Well, that's true. But it's not a, it's not a stroll in the park. It's not a, a bed of ease. It's not a bed of roses. Is that correct? Okay. It's hard work and it's not convenient. It takes endurance and commitment and perseverance. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, are we willing? Are you willing to really be enlisted for Jesus Christ and for his cause? There's a psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 110, that's quoted many, many times. It's actually the most quoted uh, scripture in the New Testament. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. There's other verses in there that are quoted, not just this verse. But it's a powerful verse. Your people, My people shall be willing in the day of my power. This is the day of God's power. His power was unleashed at Pentecost. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to fill our lives day by day. And he needs people, beings, human beings, you and I, that will be willing in this day of his power. And so the question is, are we willing? Open vessels that he can flow through, that he can pour his power and grace upon, and his love through. This world needs to know that there's a savior and that there's someone worth fighting for. There's a cause. There's a good cause. Through all the, through all the years, through all the ages, there have been people who were willing. We've been going through the uh, book of Hebrews in our Sunday school class in the morning. And of course, that's a powerful book. And the great point of the book of Hebrews is to help wavering Hebrew Christians understand that what Jesus did at Calvary was the fulfillment of all the types that came before, the fulfillment of the law that Moses gave, the fulfillment of the priesthood, the fulfillment of the tabernacle, the fulfillment of everything that, that they had treasured and thought was so sacred. Now they're struggling with, well, don't we sacrifice anymore? Don't we hang on to those things? They were God-given. And the writer to the Hebrews shows them how Jesus was the fulfillment to all these things. And he was better than all those things. And so now the, the challenge is to believe on him and to give their lives to him wholeheartedly. As we come to, um, to, to this point, we come to the end of chapter 11. And in chapter 11, we have this list of people that he uses as an example to us that tell, shows us how these people... They believed what God said to them. They believed the bit that they had, and they didn't have a lot. They didn't have the cross to, to believe in. They didn't have the crucified Savior to look back and say, I believe. They had the promise of the fulfillment, the, the promises to look forward to, that someday Messiah would come. And they had little pieces of revelation that God gave to them, but the, the, the thing that makes them stand out is that they believed those things and they were willing to believe them to the death, to the whatever it cost them to believe, and it did cost them. They were going to believe what God, gave, what God gave them to believe. And they were not special people. We have this uh, distorted idea that they were heroes of faith, that they were some kind of super people. I got news for you. They were men and women just like you and just like me. They struggled with life just like we do. They were not super superhuman beings. And they had it probably harder than we have it in many ways. 
If you think about it, Abraham, he was called out. That's one of the first ones who's listed. And he had to leave his country. In those days, that was just absurd. People didn't do that. You didn't live on the road. I mean, in this world, we don't think much of that because people do travel around a lot. But that was not the way the culture was then. People, mother and father, daughters, sons, and the, the, the tribe just grew. And the, the whole the people stayed together. They stayed in one place. They did not move around. So when God said, come, move, leave your land, follow me, I don't know. He, Abraham didn't even know where he was going. And God said, come on, I have, I want you to follow me. He believed God. And God said, I'll make you a father of many nations. That didn't happen either for a long time. Sometimes we say, well, what am I supposed to do? I've, you know, been believing God for all these years for this and I still haven't seen this. Well, guess what? <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Abraham. Abraham was in the same shoes you were in, okay? Years and years and years went by and it was like a joke. His name meant father of many nations, Abraham. So when people would be introduced to him, hi, what's your name? Abraham, father of many nations. Oh, how many children do you have? Oh, well, I don't have any children yet. And he's getting older and older and older. And so when we struggle with holding on to a promise of God, I hope that you'll remember, I hope that you'll remember Abraham. It took a long time, but did God keep his promise? Yes. And he counted him, he counted Abraham faithful because Abraham continued to believe him. And then there was Noah, who I just get a great kick out of Noah. I mean, Noah is told to make a boat, okay? And nobody's ever made a boat. He's not seen a boat before. God gives him dimensions and whatever, whatever, whatever. And then God tells him to get on this thing, this floating thing, with all these animals. Oh, my goodness. You talk about scoop and poop. Woo! This man... And he was on there for almost a year. We think it rained, it, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but he got on a week before it started raining. That must have been some week. Then it started raining, and eventually the boat started floating. But, you know, the water didn't go down for the day 41. It took a long time. And it was almost a year that he was on that boat. And yet, he believed God. He believed God that he wouldn't spend the rest of his life on that floating boat. And um, God honored him. God honored his faith because he trusted in him and did as he asked him to do. He believed in God. And then, of course, there was Moses and there was Joseph. And Joseph, you know, we talked about it this morning. Joseph, he, he flaunted his dreams in front of people. He, you know, like some of us, when we get all excited and start out, you know, oh, I know God is going to do this and that and the other thing. And then stuff happens and it doesn't happen that way. And we're going, oh boy, you know, and people are bringing it up to our face. Well, Joseph, look what happened to him. He's telling them, oh, they're, you're all bowing down to me. And, and of course, that causes them to hate him. He ends up as a slave in Egypt. He ends up in prison. It wasn't like a prison with air conditioning and TVs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was probably more like a mud hole with rats and bugs and all kinds of creepy crawlies. And <clears throat> it wasn't beautiful. And then the butler and the baker get thrown in with him. And, you know, from the natural standpoint, when they had their dreams, we wouldn't be surprised if Joseph would say to them, don't ask me about your dreams. I once had a dream, and it, and this is where I ended up. He could have said that, couldn't he? Have? But he didn't say that. He was committed to God. He knew God had given him that dream. 
even though he was still in the pit. He was still in the prison. He was still a prisoner, and nothing had changed for him, but he believed God. And so he did get out of there, of course, didn't he? And then it goes on at the end, and we read these words. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were circled for seven days. That talks about Joshua. Joshua was a man who God said to over and over and over again, be of good courage, be of good courage, be of good courage. Why did God say that to him? Because he was a man of good courage? No, because he was fearful. <laughs> he needed somebody to say, don't worry, pluck up, don't, don't be afraid. He was wavering. You don't say that to someone who has all the courage in the world, right? And God said it over and over and over to him. But he succeeded and the walls fell down. By faith, harlot, the Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. She had heard about Israel and what God had done, how he got them out of the Red Sea. And she believed. And as a result, her whole family was saved. And what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon? There's another man. He was hiding behind a rock threshing wheat because... Whenever anybody did that, they would usually get captured by the Midianites. And the angel of God shows up to him and says, Hello, thou mighty man of valor. He wasn't a mighty man of valor. He was hiding behind a rock. All right? You understand? But God saw in his heart some kernel of faith. And he responded when God challenged him. All right, there's Gideon and Barak. Oh, he was great, right? He was a great warrior. He was so afraid to go to battle that he wouldn't go to battle unless a woman came with him. And then there was Samson. Well, we won't go into Samson. <laughs> and Jephthah also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, through faith, worked righteousness, worked righteousness. That's something that you and I can do every single day, work righteousness. And what they did every single day, obtained promises. It took time, but they obtained them. And so I want to say again, if there's promises in your life and they're not fulfilled and you know God promised you, don't quit. Don't give up. God is faithful and he's not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but he's faithful and he's long-suffering. And so we need to persevere and we need to push through. And it's not... It's not easy. It's not what we want. It's not what our flesh wants. Our flesh hurts and it cuts across our flesh when we have to wait for something. But God is training us and he's, he's, he's raising us up that when, when, when they're training up the military, they know that that's what they're going through is going to be hurtful to them and they're going to have to push through that pain. But do they stop because they know that? No. They know that they're training up young men and women to be warriors and to do something and make a difference. Stopped the mouths of lions. That was Daniel. Quenched the violence of fire. That was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what they said? They were ready to be thrown in this fiery furnace that's been heated seven times hotter. And they said, we don't care. Okay? Even if our God doesn't deliver us, you know what? Our hearts are his. And, and we'll die for him. That's okay. And that's the kind of commitment God is looking for in you and in me. That we're like, you know what, Lord? I don't care if it costs me my life. And we don't really have that in our world. We live in a world of such convenience. Everything is convenient. And it's not convenient to serve God. So if you're looking for convenience, you have to forget about it if you're going to serve God. Quench the violence of fire. Escape to the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Notice they weren't strong to begin with. Out of weakness were made strong. 
Do you feel that you're too weak to serve God, that you have nothing left to give him? Out of weakness, out of your weakness, God can raise you up and make you strong if you're willing. All it requires is are you willing in this day of his power to serve him? Out of your weakness, he'll make you strong. Became valiant in battle. They became valiant. They didn't start out valiant and great and strong and warriors and victors and heroes. They became that way as they as they went through the daily battles of life and fought through. They became valiant warriors. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Oh, may God help us that we will be like them. Women received, go on, received their dead raised to life again. That speaks of Elijah and Elisha, the widows that ministered to them. And when their sons died, they were raised up again. They had faith. They believed that this God had sent them this man of God. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. We always think, you know, if we're in a bad situation, well, the best thing is that we could be delivered. But some people see it differently. Rather, suffer for Christ than not be delivered, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection because there's a resurrection day coming. There's payday coming on the other side. There's rewards. This is not all it's about. And it's so easy to get sidetracked and to miss that here on this earth. The devil is good at distracting us, turning our eyes away from the real deal. The real deal is heaven. We have a goal. And we only have one chance at making it through this life and making a difference for Christ and fighting his battles and doing what he's asked us to do. And so we better get busy and start doing it. Still others had trial of mockings and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. History tells us that some of the prophets were put in a log and sawn in, in, in half. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. How does that run as an advertisement for Christianity? Come to Jesus Christ. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. It doesn't sell, does it, as an advertisement for following Jesus Christ and enlisting in his army. But when you think about the end results and the rewards that await us, is it worth it? It's worth it. It's worth it. And eternity is forever, you know? We, we, we call it eternity like it was a, a, a thing. Eternity means forever. It's forever. The other side is forever. This life is short and fleeting and passing. And it may, we may be, we're going to be uncomfortable and we're going to be, we're going to suffer in this life and we're, go, it's going to cost us our life. But it's only for a short time. And then it says, of whom the world was not worthy. That always touches my heart. Of whom the world was not worthy. Of, that's the, that's the scripture, that's a, what the scripture says about them. The world wasn't worthy of that kind of consecration and that kind of, of commitment. And I pray that that will be the testimony that God has of our lives when we get to the end of the road, that the, of the world was not worthy of the commitment that we had. Our commitment was so on the line and so out there that the, it was, the world was not worthy of it. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, all these, this includes lots of people that it doesn't mention by name, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, the promise, the promise meaning of the Messiah to come. 
They all died in faith, believing that one day Messiah would come, the God who they had followed. They had a little revelation of God, a little peace that God had given them, but they were true to it. They hung on to it. They put their lives on the line for it. They fought the fight to the finish. They died in faith, not having received that promise of salvation and of Jesus having given his life. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be complete. Wow. I don't know if you really fully get that, but when I think about that, I could just weep because they without us, we have a part in how they gave their lives and believed in God. It shows us how precious our faith is to God. Jesus himself said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, what's he looking for in you and me? He's looking for that commitment to death that says, I don't care, God. I don't care what comes. I don't care if it costs me my life, but I'm serving you. You're number one. I believe you. I believe what you've done for me. I believe what you've spoken in your word. And if I, if I have to die going down believing it, that's what I'm going to do because you are that, you mean that much to me. After all, that's what he did for us. He gave his life for us, didn't he? They were the first half of the picture, but they without us are not complete. We're the second half of the picture, and they're waiting for us. They're saying, come on, guys, get it. Go for it. Fight the fight. You, They without us are not complete. Go on to the next slide. Because the thought doesn't stop there. The chapter ends, unfortunately, but the thought goes on. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who's a cloud of witnesses? All those who've gone before. Let us lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here he's, he's trying to get us, again, stirred up and to... To be passionate. We need people who are passionate for Jesus Christ. Not just people who are like, you know, la-di-da-di-da, okay, Sunday morning, well, okay, I think I can make it. Um, you know, and, uh, oh, you know, it's a lack of days ago, like, well, whatever, whatever. No, that's not what serving the Lord is about. He's looking for those who are passionate, who have, he needs us, to, we need to be passionate about what he's done for us and what he wants to do through us. And there are many souls that still need to come to the Savior. And he needs willing, people who are willing in the day of his power, who will who will give their lives and say, I will stand up for Jesus Christ. I will fight the battle of, of the lost and dying. Looking unto Jesus, the next screen, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had to go through immense suffering. We've all contemplated that at some point or time or another, and I am sure that in his flesh, we know that as he prayed in the garden, it was not a pleasant thought to think that he was going to have to suffer and die on the cross of Calvary and be really, literally almost pulled apart from limb to limb. It was pain, it was gruesome, it was suffering, but for the joy that was set before him. And what was that joy? That one day there would be many sons that come to glory. There would be you and me that would give our lives, that would give our lives for him and for his cause. And that there would be many 
that would come and there would be that day and for the joy that was set before him. Harvest day was coming. He knew that his disciples would be empowered by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and go into the world and turn the world upside down. And that day of harvest was coming. And so for the joy that was set before him, he endured. Are we going to have to endure? Of course, we are going to have to endure. If we're going to serve Jesus Christ, are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to serve Jesus Christ? God still wants an army of believers that will stand up and fight the good fight of faith. The Bible tells us that. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. We have grown lazy and complacent. We think someone else will do it. Or that's for pastor to do. Or him. Or sister her. Or sister so-and-so. Or brother so-and-so. The devil has hundreds of things. Hundreds of excuses that he runs through our minds and hearts to keep us from active duty. And the Lord Jesus Christ needs an army of people who are on active duty. Not all people who are on retired retired duty, right? <laughs> are you willing? It's not convenient. It is not convenient. I want to tell you three places in the Bible where three stories that are connected with the, with the, with the word convenient. I want to tell you about, first let me say this. People get passionate for many causes in this world. You know, you, you see it sometimes. Save the whales. Save the dolphins. Um, save the trees. Whatever. <laughs> some, some, some of them are good causes. There's some good causes in this world. Don't get me wrong. Some of them move my heart very much. <laughs> but this is, this cause is the most worthy cause of all. And we need to get passionate for it. We need to be passionate. It's not convenient. All right. Here's, here's the three stories in the Bible that are connected with the word convenient. The first one is John the Baptist, when, or Herod, really. It's really about Herod. Remember, um, he was messing around and living in sin, and John the Baptist had let, it, let, him, let him know that what he was doing was wrong. And he had imprisoned John the Baptist as a favor to some people. And when a convenient day was come... Herod had his birthday and made a supper and had the ladies dance for him. And he got so excited, he said to them, What do you want? To the half of my kingdom, you can have it. And what did they ask for? What did that wicked woman ask for? The head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so as a result of this convenient party, John the Baptist was beheaded. Hmm. Something to think about, right? All right, and then there's the next story is about another character, Judas. And when they heard it, they, the scribes and Pharisees, they were glad, and they promised to give him money, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Conveniently betrayed the Son of God. Wow. Sin breeds inconvenience. Like a stagnant body of water breeds mosquitoes. Like a Petri dish breeds bacteria like 30 pieces of silver in the pocket of Judas. Convenience wasn't bringing any good, was it? And then the last one, the last story, is the one where Paul stood before Felix and was bringing the gospel to him and speaking to him about salvation. He understood some of the, some of the history of the Jews. And Paul was reasoning with him, and he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. 
a convenient season that probably never came. And so when we put off, when we put off what God is calling us to do today, we may never get that opportunity back again. It's never convenient to serve God. If you're going to wait until it's convenient, it's not ever going to happen. You're not ever going to do it. And it's not convenient to serve him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It just isn't. And for the cause of Jesus Christ, we need to be passionate. Paul was a passionate one. Paul was so passionate, he, he allowed his whole life to be consumed with the gospel of Jesus Christ and getting the word out. At first, Paul was passionately wrong. You remember that? They called him Saul then. But he was passionate even then. He had that, that, that in his temperament, I guess. And he was going around killing Christians because he thought that they were wrong. And then one day, God stopped him on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you fighting against me? He thought he was fighting for God. He didn't know he wasn't fighting for God. And God stopped him and said, wait a minute, you're going the wrong way. You're fighting against me. And as soon as he knew that, what did he do? He stopped. He turned around. And he said, okay, that's it. I'll fight for you. I'll fight for, for you. I'll, and he did. He laid truly, was an, an example of laying down his life for the sake of the gospel. He spared himself nothing. And, and there's a long list somewhere that, that tells us he was stoned, he was imprisoned, he was shipwrecked. It wasn't like, oh, come to Jesus, everything's going to be just fine. You know, you won't have to worry anymore. Just don't worry, just go to sleep. No, it wasn't like that. He was passionate. And he wrote later on, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be mature, be thus minded. Paul never was like, oh, you know, I've been on the way for a long time and I don't need to be so concerned anymore. No, he was one who wanted to finish well. And this is where, you know, in the army, you can only serve for so long and then you retire. And, you know, you have to be a fit person. You can't be an ill person. But in Jesus Christ's army, it doesn't matter whether you're fit or you're not fit. You're, you're fit. He makes you fit. He gives you his righteousness and he has a job for you to do. And he calls you to do it faithfully. And it's the every day. It's the every day. The faith in your heart every day to serve him and to be passionate for him no matter what, no matter what you're doing. And you know, we need to end well too. We, it's not just those who start well. And God needs, God knows, he needs young people in this land that will stand up and put their lives on the line and march across this land to take it back for him. But, you know, those of us who are older and, and you think, oh, you know, what, what could God do? What could God use me for? Don't think like that. God has use for us and a purpose for us and he wants us to finish well. As Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't, don't lay in the hammock all day. Get up and, and do something for God. Do what he wants you to do. Are you willing to be passionate? Another place in Romans, he wrote to the Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Not exceptional service. It's not exceptional for you to, to give yourself to God and say, okay, here, I'm, I'm finally willing after you, uh, you know, after you spend your whole life running around for, for other causes. No, no. It's, it's not exceptional. It's, it's just your reasonable service. Just your reasonable service. Give yourself, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. 
It's not extraordinary, it's just reasonable. Imagine, if you can, for a few moments, what would happen if a generation of passionate, willing young people would rise up and begin to fight for God's kingdom. Jesus said, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. It takes action. It takes committedness. It takes our willingness to put ourselves out, even when it's not convenient, and not to be wimps for Jesus, but to be passionate for him, for the cause of Jesus Christ. Will you be passionate? The challenge to each of us today is will you stand up and be enlisted? Will you put your life on the line for Jesus Christ in this battle for souls? There are souls all around us that are lost and dying, and they need Jesus Christ. And will you consecrate yourself and say, yes, Lord, I am willing in this day of your power. God wants you. There's no age restrictions, and he wants us to make it to the finish line. That's why we come together to encourage one another through the difficulties where we are struggling. We come together and we say, come on, you can make it. I'm not going to let you fall down. I'm not going to let you quit. We're going to build each other up and continue to see each other through to the end. There are coming opportunities in the days ahead for all of us. Right immediately, our very own Vacation Bible School. God has been prodding some of you to jump in and be committed. Don't hold back. Do it passionately. But beyond VBS, the challenge today is to give yourself wholeheartedly, no matter what God places in front of you, holding nothing back. From today on, Lord, it's settled. You're first. My life is yours. Everything else second. Anything you need me for, want me for, however I can fight your battle, I'm available. I'll put myself into your training camp and allow you to train me and raise me up to fight for you. You gave your all for me, and I'm going to give myself to you unreservedly for time and eternity, not just when it's convenient, but 100%, even when it costs me dearly. Paul was able to write at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all those who love his appearing. Will that be your testimony when you get to the end of the road? May it be so of each and every one of us. May our hearts be stirred today that we will say, yes, Lord, from this day forward. You know, I noticed this morning when we sang in worship that this thought was in almost every song, our commitment to him, our giving ourselves to him. I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my mind. Well, you know what? Don't just sing it. Let's do it, and God will help us. Amen.